Welcome back, everybody, to another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined by Philip Marshall here, and we have a very special guest um, in with us. I was about to say in the studio, in the virtual studio, uh, former Auburn quarterback Jason Campbell is here to talk about not only this year's team, but uh, he was the quarterback the last time Auburn played Penn State. It's not something that's happened super often. They've only played Penn State a couple times. Obviously, the Tigers travel to Happy Valley this Saturday at 630 for one of the best non-conference matchups of the entire season. And Jason, first of all, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Hope everything's going well for you this fall. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, can't complain. I just got a, you know, a little bit of a new gig, you know, with CBS. So I'll uh, be doing the Monday Quarterback Club up in New York. So there that should be a lot of fun. And uh, get a chance to, you know, watch these Tigers, man, in action primetime Saturday night. Like, it, you know, I don't have to be at the game. I wanted to go to the game, but I saw how hard it is to get there. Mm. I, like, oh, I think I'm just going to yeah. throw some food <laughs> yes. on the grill. <laughs> yeah, throw some food on the grill. Watch this on the TV, and because uh, I have to travel a lot, so I didn't, I didn't. It works out for me. Gotcha. Well, so we'll talk first about that game back in 2002. Is the 2002 season? The game ended mm-hmm. up being the Capital One Bowl on New Year's Day um, against Penn State. Ronnie Brown was the MVP of that game. Um, obviously, he had a really big touchdown late, but. For you, what do you remember about playing Penn State? What do you remember about that game and, and the atmosphere their fans kind of brought? Obviously, it was a bowl game. wasn't yeah. like Auburn's going to experience on uh, on Saturday. But what are kind of your your favorite memories of that game? Man, I tell you what, most of the memories was, were uh, during the week. You know, during the week, during a bowl week, you get a chance to go to dinners together. We have these functions together. And, you know, all week you can kind of hear like they look at like, hear things that they were saying, kind of looking at us like, oh, we're country boys. You know, we don't, uh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, just, you know, they're real cocky. You know, they had that type of edge about them. And then when Coach Tuberville and Joe Paterno was up there, Coach Paterno at the time was up there talking on the stage, you know, you can kind of hear, you know, a little bit of them feeling like they was a little better than us. And as players, we didn't, we didn't have to talk anything or say anything out loud. We just took it amongst ourselves as a team. But, you know, they was ranked number 10 at that time. Ironically, they was ranked 10, and we was ranked number 20. And this time, Auburn's 22, and they're 10 again. So, you know, how I run it, it all comes back full circle. So I say this, though. Our guys, that week when we got ready to play them, Larry Johnson was coming off a 2,000-yard rushing season. And he was averaging like 200-some yards per game. And all you heard all week was how they were going to run the ball on us and how they can control the game. And, and you know, very little was being said about our run game and running. Cause running and playing the bowl in the Iron Bowl game. Him and Lack missed that game. Trey Smith played in that game. So we get to that game, and Coach Tuberville tells me, he said, hey, we're probably going to run the ball a whole lot this game. I know you want to throw it. He said, but this is going to be one of these smash mouths old way of playing football. And once we got to the stadium, I could see why, though. The wind was swirling so hard. I don't know if you remember this, Philip, but the wind was swirling so hard, you couldn't even throw the ball past 10, 10 to 12 yards or the wind was going to catch it. So everything you threw had to be like a slant or a curl or, or a screen, stuff like that. So we ended up running the ball 37 times with Ronnie. He had 184 yards rushing. And Larry Johnson, I think, had 72 yards rushing. And uh, that's the game that put Ronnie on the map. And like I say, Larry Johnson went on to have a stellar career in the pros as well. But our guys came to play, man. We, we use as a chip on our shoulders, like to, to come out and play. And that's what I want to see from this team this year is, you know, you're going to an environment that you should be used to hostile environment. We play in the SEC. But, yes, it's been 20 months or more 
before Auburn has played in a hostile environment because last year was COVID rules, only 15,000 people in the stands. So it's going to be very important to see how we handle communication in that stadium. Jason, uh, uh, change the subject a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do you see do you see in the in the, the criticism of Bo Nix? Is it is it kind of familiar to you what you <laughs> what you went through in your in, early in your time at Auburn? Oh yeah, anytime you play quarterback at the at Auburn, you know it's a it's a big university, and I got to tell people it's only two teams in Alabama that matters, and that's Auburn and that's the other school. And I said the only way there's no NFL team. So when you're the quarterback, you'll get a lot of credit, you'll get a lot of blame, but that comes with playing a territory. You got to have tunnel vision. And what I think about all the things that Bo has gone through is, you know, the difference between Bo and myself is. I was more of a pocket guy sometimes. I would run sometimes, but he was more of a – he really run a lot. Like, utilize his legs to get outside the pocket when things broke down a little bit. Where this year, I'm kind of seeing him so far in the first two games, but trying to stay in the pocket and go from, you know, for the first progression to the second and third progression. And, you know, he hadn't faced much of a pass rush yet. So, you know, we have to wait and see, you know, where our offensive line is and where he's at from that standpoint come Saturday night. Jason, you guys, toward the end of that season, I think it was either four or five of your last six games uh, were against top 10 teams, but yeah. um, particularly your defense started stepping up and, and limiting. I think Alabama and, and, and Penn State in the bowl game only scored like 15 combined points or 16 combined points, something like that. Um, and that was under a first-year coordinator in Gene Chizik, a lot like Auburn's got right now in Derek Mason. Um, it's my opinion, and you can tell me what you think, um, that defense is going to matter a lot in this game and yeah. that Auburn's defense, I think, is one of the better units in the SEC. Um, but what are kind of the, some of the similarities that you see between, you know, the beginnings of a really good defensive era for y'all back in the early 2000s and, and this group that they've got right now on defense? Yeah, you're right. I didn't think of it that way. Coach Chizik, that was his first year, and it was coached by Petrino first year. So we had a new OCN and new defense coordinator, same as Auburn this year. So when you think about Derrick Mason, like this guy's always been an energy guy. Uh, even when he was at Vanderbilt, he could get the best out of those guys. Even though they knew they was overmatched most of their schedule, they fought you to the end. And I think that's the same thing when you look at his defense now after watching these first two games. The one thing about him is these guys run to the ball. They run to the ball very well. It's always four or five jerseys around the football. And that's energy. And that's just guys being where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. Now, you think about our defense. Yes, we've gone from a 4-3 traditional defense to a 3-4 defense. Now, you have those guys like Kobe Wooten back. You got, you know, Tony Fair, a big guy transfer from UAB up there as a run stopper. So we have guys that can that up front that can cause some problems and can be a really good pass rushing football team. I think where it's at for us on the defense at the end, though, is our linebackers and our safeties and our corners. Um, our second-level guys, probably one of the best in the SEC when you think about Owen Papo and McLean, like what they bring to the table. Uh, when you think about our secondary, Smoke Monday and Prichard and, you know, Roger McCurry, and then, you know, we haven't yet to see Drayshawn Miller. He's supposed to be a big addition for us, but you got Jalen Simpson. So you have guys, Tennyson, that's back there. We have a deep, deep secondary, and that's one thing that I would take on the road in a hostile environment. You give me the linebacker core that we have and that secondary that we have, I think that keeps us in a lot of football games, and that's where the game starts, that is not giving up points because when you're playing in Penn State, you got to know these kids going to feed off the energy from their fans, that adrenaline. So how do you do that as a defense? I remember 04, we went to Tennessee. 
We always said offensively, we got to start fast. Defensively, we got to get them off the field, three and out. And that's what happened. Defense got them three and out. We went down, we punched them in with seven, and uh, and we just kept rolling from there. And that's how you take the crowd noise out of it. And that's how you go into a, a big environment and try to control the game. Jason, if anybody knows about dealing with new coordinators as a college <laughs> football player, and even as an NFL player, yeah, it has right, to be right, you. Right, right, yeah. how, how challenging is that uh, for a mm-hmm. quarterback? It's challenging uh, just from the standpoint that you feel like every time you get to the first phase and the second phase, that third phase is really like that's where you that's the cream. That's that's where you can kind of tell guys where to be and not have to think so much yourself. You can kind of go out there and play and just and control the game a little bit more. But for me, I didn't ever get a chance to get to the third phase because I had a, we have a really good year and the coordinator leaves and takes a head coaching job or in the NFL. You know, guys, it's just they end up going somewhere else or, like I said, another job opportunity to come in, more pay. So then, you know, they always leave. So you don't ever really get get a chance to get to that level. And I used to always tell people that, like, it's so hard every time you start and then you have to get going and then you restart. Like, you know, that's just – it's tough. But I always used to try to push through it and fight through it and try not to use anything as an excuse. Just let it try to take – for me, I would tell Bo – I always try to take something similar from an offense I ran before and compare it to something that I was learning new. So that way, in my mind, it didn't feel like it was from scratch, but it's just a nuance. But I can take the similarities from it when I'm programming it in my brain. Jason, Philip and I were talking about this before we got on, but mm. um, you know, a lot is being made of, of what we just talked about of you know Bo Nix and his third year with the new coordinator. Um, and, you know, it's only going to be his third game. Can he go on the road, put together a good offensive performance? Um, I think it's kind of evens out because, I mean, Penn State's got a new coordinator and, yeah. and their quarterback's working with that. I don't think people are necessarily talking about that as much. But for you, what would this mean and what kind of indictment is it of this staff if Auburn is able to go into Happy Valley, put on a good performance, execute well on offense, Bo looks comfortable running this offense, they're able to put up points with him and Tank, Um what, what does it mean about this staff and, and the momentum they could possibly gain in a win like this moving forward for the season? Oh, that's a great question, though. It can gain a lot. Uh, you think about the week one. I, I tell everybody, it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter who you're playing week one. Like, for us not to have turnovers, false starts, penalties, and play a clean game, I thought it was a tribute to the coaching staff and what they do and how they've been getting these guys to buy into what they're trying to do and accomplish. Now, fast forward, Alabama State game, the first half, we looked the total opposite of what we did the first week. You know, we dropped passes. We had turnover. We had penalties, you know, just didn't look focused. And then the second half, we kind of got back to that. But I think for us going into Penn State, if I'm Coach Harson, this is a game I want bad. And the reason I say that is because this is a it's not just used just for Auburn. This is a, recru- a recruiting tool. You know, this is like your national televised. You're playing the whole country's watching because you're probably the biggest game, except for maybe one or two others that's playing on Saturday night in a big time matchup. So, you know, kids are looking and Coach Harson comes from the West and the Midwest. So there's guys out there that he's recruiting. And you got to think that those guys are going to be tuned into the television, seeing how we respond. So if Coach Harson and, and his staff, if they really want to get to the next level quickly, you win this game in Penn State. You want to talk about your players that you're coaching now, buying into what you're telling them and really believing in what you're telling them. Like you win this game, man, you're all in and they're all in because they can see what you've been telling them is now taking taking ship now. You know, say, for example, they lose this game. Is it a bad indictment? No, it's not. 
I think it's based off how they perform. If you go up there and you play really good and the game just don't go your way at the end, you can walk away feeling good that we're we're heading somewhere. But if you go up there and you doesn't play good and and you lose, ah, now we got it. Now we're starting over the ship again. We're trying to really figure out where we're at because we're still trying to figure out where we are at from week one and week two because it was two lopsided games. So we really don't know. But when you think about moving forward with the schedule that we have, if we go up there and we play solid and we win, man, this gives us an opportunity to set that Georgia game up to be mega in, uh, in Jordan Hare in a few weeks. Now, how do you, how did, do you, did you deal with the, with when it's so loud you can't hear uh, mm-hmm. in any stadium? Yeah, the one thing for us, like I said, for Auburn, it's not a big deal because when we play home games, it's loud for opposing team. But when you go to LSU, you go to Florida, you go to Iron Bowl, like it's loud, you know. So for us, it was always about receivers. Watch the ball. Don't try to look at me and try to see when I'm going to get the snap. Like, just watch the ball because you're so far away from me, you can't hear what I'm saying anyways. And nowadays, they're using the clap. Back in the day when I was playing, we used the foot. We was out to go one foot up, he was going to snap the ball. Next time we go off our second foot, you snap the ball. But now it's off clap. And they say clap, but supposedly, I don't know how, but they say it travels very well to the line and they can hear it even with a lot, with a, a lot of cloud, uh, cloud, crowd noise. So for me, it's just how do our young receivers – that's why I think Shedrick Jackson and Demetrius Robinson is getting most of the reps right now is because they've been in some of these environments. Even though Shedrick hadn't had a lot of catches up to this season, he's still been in the environment. Now, I think they want to bring Capers and Cannon, Elijah Cannon alone, but I think for this reason alone is the reason why they put those guys second screen and not starters because this is going to be a pivotal game when you cannot have those first and 15s because of false starts. And as an offensive lineman, you really have got to pay attention because last week it was fourth and three on the goal line. And for, and we ended up getting backed up. We had to take a field goal instead of going for it. And, you know, so it's going to be a lot louder than that. So our guys have got to understand how to communicate with one another. It's definitely got to be a game where Bo has got to get in the pot. When he's in that huddle, you got to get – if you're going to go no huddle – it somewhat takes some of the crowd noise off out of it because guys are going so fast and you're signaling. But if you're on a huddle, you really have to get in that huddle and make sure those guys can hear you and, and make sure y'all are on the same page. Jason, last one for you, and then we'll let you go again. Really appreciate your time. I'm sure all the listeners have appreciated your perspective as well. Um, just besides the crowd noise, when you've got a game of this magnitude, doesn't matter where it is, college game day is coming. Like you said, one of the biggest matchups of the weekend. People have been looking forward to it um, for a long time. Brian Harson has talked a lot this week about cutting out those distractions. We know he's that kind of coach. We know he's the one that yeah. definitely doesn't want um, any of those distractions, win every day, yada, yada. We've heard about it all offseason. For you as a player, how did you go about putting these types of games in a vacuum and just focusing right now and not necessarily fast-forwarding to Saturday night already? Yeah, <laughs> you know, as a player, it's, it's a little bit tough just from the simple fact that when you start to hear about the game and the buildup is coming, Uh you know, your adrenaline starts on Wednesday in practice. You know it's a different type of week. Like when you come to practice and, and you're getting ready for that big game on Saturday, as soon as they left the Alabama State game, their minds immediately turned to Penn State. And I think you can you know that because us doing things in the first half of that game last week was so uncharacteristic of us. It shows you that those kids probably was thinking ahead. Let's just be honest. They was thinking ahead, and Alabama State kind of fell in the middle between those first two games of that big dog. 
And for us as a quarterback, you know, I like for Bo to have tunnel vision. And what I mean by that is just keep everything in front of me. When you pull up to the stadium, you know, don't get so caught up into all the fans you're going to see at the tailgating, you know, even for the younger players. Don't don't get caught up in looking at the atmosphere so much to a point that you're getting so pumped up and you're trying to win the game on the bus before you even actually go out and play it. Like try to keep the game, the game, keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's going out there and taking each play one play at a time and try to have and do, give your best and play one positive play. Even when the game starts, that's when I always say that's the best time to hit a big play. Why? Everybody's so pumped up and so crump. Safeties want to run up and hit corners want to get involved. So you know what? How about we just go over the top just because I know you're going to be running up, want to hit tank Bisbee. This is a game, you know, anything can happen because you're going to get shots early in this game to hit big plays, but you have got to hit them when they're there. And this is one of those games because the adrenaline and emotion, like I said, is going to be at a high. And and for the rest of and defensively, it kind of works in your favor because on defense, it's not that much crowd noise. So this is a game you can actually communicate more because, you know, they're on offense. So it's going to be one of those chess and chess and checkers type game. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Both teams are similar. Both teams have really good secondaries. Both team linebackers are pretty good. And uh, both teams have quarterbacks that are learning new systems and they're trying to see where they're at within the system. So, and, you know, for Coach Franklin, it's been noise about him with the USC and he's trying to limit distraction. So, you know, it's just so much going on in this game. I'm pretty sure Coach Harson has practiced these guys pumping crowd noise in practice. That's what we used to do when we was getting to play big games that allow you pump that crowd noise in practice and you make guys have to communicate. So on Saturday or Sunday, it wasn't as big of a deal because you've been practicing it all week long. He is Jason Campbell, former SEC champion, SEC Offensive Player of the Year, 10 years in the NFL, first-round draft pick. Thank you so much, Jason, for joining us today. Um, before we let yeah. you go, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your podcast, where they can find um, your new gig. Yeah, I'd like to say I'll be on CBS uh, Monday, uh, Quarterback Club. Uh, not sure if it's every Monday or every other Monday. Uh, we, we try to work that out. But I also can find me at Believe in Everything Auburn Podcast. as B-L-E-A-V. Fans, please go in there and follow. Uh, you'll probably see like a little microphone under says watch or watch or listen. A little microphone with a little crowd noise behind it or something. Just touch on that to hit follow. More sponsorships we get, the bigger it continues to grow. I do that with Taylor Davis. So she works with uh, ESPN and SEC Network and the Panthers and uh, Kansas City Royal. And she's an Auburn girl. So, you know, continue to support us. And uh, find me on Twitter at jcam underscore 17, Instagram jcampbell17. Well, there you go, everybody. Go check out Jason's work. Again, appreciate him so much for joining us today. Appreciate you all for listening to this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please go leave us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcasts. That's the number one thing that helps us out. Um, we are looking forward to Saturday's game, uh, 6.30, like we talked about. Games on ABC. We're going to have all kinds of preview coverage for the rest of the week at AuburnUndercover.com. It's been a lot of fun doing it so far. Obviously, the, the first big game of the season for Auburn and one of the biggest games overall of the season um, for Auburn. So we'll have all your game day coverage there and post-game coverage. Everything you're going to need is at AuburnUndercover.com. The intro and outro music for this podcast is by Beats by Mordecai. You can find him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, which will be a roundtable edition on Friday morning, so we'll have back-to-back days with podcasts for y'all. Um, I will talk to you guys later. Everybody have a good rest of the week.